right, I need to get something off my chest. That's how we're starting? <laughs> we're starting with a grievance and venting. Uh, is it about me? I, I'm sorry, I can, I can leave the room. No. <laughs> no, it's about the people of the parish that you shepherd. Oh, okay, so uh, speak, speak, Michael, your people are listening. Okay, so last week we posted on social media, which side dish on Thanksgiving would you eliminate forever? And the choices were macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, and I think the fourth one was cranberries. I think, I don't remember. I should have looked it up before we started recording. But the overwhelming majority of people cut without even thinking about its feelings they cut macaroni and cheese i would have too because that does not belong with a thanksgiving dinner and i feel offended and I, betrayed i like that. mac and cheese i like mac and cheese yes oh of but course. not at thanksgiving oh it's my favorite thing at thanksgiving 100 well, percent. i'm not going to say anything about your childhood but <laughs> Hello, everybody. The, the one who's doing the complaining is Michael. <laughs> don't don't confuse me for Michael. This so is what else is new? Oh my goodness! I just needed to get that. I feel better now already saying it. Yeah. So, people of St. John, I love you, but I'm a little hurt by your your. By by the way, people of St. John the twenty third also need to know that you and I differ on almost any opinion we have. <laughs> what were we just talking about before we recorded? I said something, and you said the opposite was your preference. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty status yeah, that's, quo. I yeah. don't even remember what it was. It's, I don't know. It was five minutes ago, and it's already insignificant. That, that's, that's because you don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, it's a beautiful snowfall outside today. Uh, we woke up this morning. Actually, I woke up to hearing the, the snow plow on my street. I thought you were going to say bird singing outside your window. What a different image. No, no. Uh, snowplow on the street. And my bedroom is in the back of the house. And so I, could, I heard this sound. And I thought, what is it? And then finally it registered. And it wasn't really on the street. It was on my driveway. I have people who come and plow the driveways for folks. It's very, very... <laughs> I won't say it. Never mind. Very, very nice. It's very nice for you. Very nice. Yes, yeah. Very nice. Actually, so this morning when my alarm went off, I thought, oh, I did not factor in shoveling time if I need to shovel. And I didn't know what state the driveway was in. But when I looked out the window, I was very relieved to see that I could just drive over it and not shovel. So us, you know, us poor peasants that have to shovel our own driveways, yes. uh, my, my driveway is still covered in snow. But I'm banking on the fact it will melt in the next day or so. <laughs> the next day, but 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 by March, <laughs> <laughs> there was one one snowfall. It might have been two years ago. I came home from a Saturday evening mass, and it had snow. Oh, you know when it was? It was when we had that wedding in January. When so it was you were snowing. over here all day? Yes, I was here all day, and it had snowed so much I couldn't. Gen Jennifer's wedding, I yeah, remember. Yeah, I could not get my car back in the driveway. I was stuck between the street and the beginning. The apron of the driveway was where my car landed. So I had to dig it out and try to get it into the garage by before I needed to go to that bed. That was wonderful. We had the wedding, and you could see all the. It was a it was a true blizzard, and it was blowing against the the church windows. It was. It was a cool day. It was actually. It turned out to be a beautiful wedding, and uh, those were the BC days, before COVID. Exactly. Uh, it was like a whole year before COVID, uh, but they they had a big turnout for their wedding and wedding reception because most of the people from out of town had already come in yeah. on Friday. 
they had nothing else to do on Saturday but go to the wedding. The reception was right next to the hotel where everybody was staying. And uh, the mother told me afterwards, people even stayed till the end of the reception. So because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> We're stranded. <laughs> We're in Ohio. We can do we can take some snow. Okay. Let's talk about this coming Sunday because it is the already second. the second Sunday of Advent. But I know you wanted to put in a plug for Sister Anne Mary oh, before yeah. we get into it. I did. Thank you for reminding me. So last weekend we uh unveiled, debuted, showed the video for introduced. Introduced. Uh, a new 12-week spiritual, uh, we're calling it a spiritual staycation uh, called Encounter God. And Sister is going to be doing two Zoom sessions coming up, uh, one on, I believe, Sunday the 6th. Sunday afternoon, this coming Sunday. And then a second one, I think, on December 9th. That's correct, Wednesday evening at 7. I looked it up this morning only because I wanted to make sure that I knew when they were, if, if anybody asked me. You like to be informed. I try to be informed. Uh, so, except about your side dishes, but that's we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm uh, informed very well. Thank you. Get uh, over it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, she's going to have two information sessions on Zoom. And so when you sign up for the information session, you are not signing up to do it yet. You're signing up to hear about it, and then you can make your commitment. But basically, it's going to be for anyone in the parish that wants to spend the first 12 weeks of the new year uh, in daily prayer, 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, going through, uh, is it the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius? It's a version, it's, yeah, it's based on the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, mm-hmm. the, the Jesuit founder. Yeah. Um, so if it sounds like a really cool opportunity. A lot of people have already signed up. You'll get a manual that will kind of guide you each day. And uh, it, it sounds like a great way maybe to spend these winter months the first 12 weeks of the year and purposely kind of leading us through Lent and into the Easter season. So you can sign up at 23.church for the information sessions. If you can't make either of the sessions or uh, perhaps Zoom is foreign to you, uh, you can contact Sister directly and she will speak with you individually as well. Okay. Uh, Also, I want to put out there that yesterday we uh, threw out, that sounds like we got rid of it, Let's try that again. We posted our Advent music playlist. So if you're looking for some nice... I loved it. Did you listen to it? It's it's on my Spotify. Hey, by the way, folks out there, I am now a, you're so a, hip. a Spotify-er. Is that the right word? <laughs> uh, I, sure. I, I, I am, <laughs> I've never heard that. I am part of the elite Spotify group. There's just a few million of us. The, <laughs> <laughs> so Spotify is a uh, music streaming platform, and you can listen to it with a subscription, or you can listen to it for free, so you don't have to pay for it. Uh, but if you go over to 23.church, you will find also our Advent playlist. I put 50 songs on there this year, uh, and I think I think it might be our best Advent playlist yet. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So enjoy. I was listening to it last night as well. Some really nice reflective music for the Advent season. Wonderful. Okay, now may we move on to Sunday. Yes, Father. Uh, December 6th, which is the second Sunday of Advent. But I would be, I would be um, a little bit out of, out, of my, uh, out of my zone if I don't also make a comment about the day of the month. Oh, December 6th is the feast of St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas of Nicholas (laughs) of Christmas. I don't know. I think it's Myrna. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Which is uh, he was a a bishop. 
yes. in Asia Minor, which is modern day uh, Turkey. Um, but anyway, so I wrote about it in the bulletin for this coming Sunday. But uh, it's the Feast of St. Nick. Put out your shoes. Put out your, or stockings. P- people do, that's kind of the stocking things as well. I'm going to leave my shoes right on the steps in front of the altar so you can put candy in them. If you do, I will put something in them. <laughs> don't trip over them. Probably holy water. <laughs> okay, let's read the gospel for this coming Sunday. Uh, the first Sunday last week was the basically the introduction to Advent and the long view. You know, be ready. The Lord is coming. Watch. And now we go back to the uh, historic coming. Are we getting any Broadway references this weekend? No, I. You know, I try to limit that like once, once every three or four months. Okay. I was just so, curious. You know, I never thought hip hop would make a homily for me. So, <laughs> well, Lin Manuel Miranda has that effect on yeah, people. Yeah, actually, it's pretty catchy. It is. It is. All right. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses one through eight. Yes, this isn't that is great. The beginning, and that's how it starts. <clears throat> if you if you allow me, go ahead. I'm going to read it. All right. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey. And this is what he proclaimed, One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to tell everybody the two images are the desert and the Jordan River. The desert is a place of barrenness, lack of water, Mm -hmm. pretty dry, uh, no creature comforts. The river, on the other hand, even though the Jordan River is not a big, majestic, beautiful river, it was still a sign of life Mm -hmm. and uh, livelihood. People dwelt along the river if they could. Uh, It was a source of, you know, the whole West Bank, which is kind of the breadbasket of the country, is the the West Bank of the Jordan River, Hmm. which is these days kind of in the news because it's Palestinian territory, but some, but there's also some uh, Jewish uh, buildings and homes being built in that area as well. But the so the river is teeming with life. Plant plants grow alongside of a river. There's fish in the river. So we go from the barrenness, the emptiness of the desert, to the the splashiness of the water. <laughs> Sounds like a a summer vacation. Yes. Actually. Well, as soon as you said desert and river, I thought. Could there be two more opposite images? Yeah. The desert in Scripture is always both literal and symbolic. So it's literal in the sense that there are desert areas. And I, I have to always remind people 
don't think the Sahara Desert and the sand dunes. Maybe the, a better word would be barren, mm. um, a wasteland. It's an area that does get rain, at least over there. The, the rains come in the spring, and then there is uh, green, there are green plants growing and flowers. Oh. Uh, in fact, Isaiah refers to uh, the steps will bloom. You know, that, that comes up. You've seen that phrase. That's yeah. in some of the songs, I believe. Uh, some of the Psalms. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not like the Sahara Desert. It might be more like some of our deserts in the s southwest of the United States, the Sonora Desert, or maybe to some degree the Mojave Desert, or even the deserts of uh, Nevada and Utah. Uh, there, there's, some, there's some life there. There's some plant life. There's some mammals and animals. Casinos. What? Casinos. Casinos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're life or death. <laughs> Depends on your but, luck. But the symbolic thing is you go to the desert because there are no creature comforts. You go there because it's a place of mystery. You go there to cleanse yourself of stuff. And uh, this whole thing about John eating locust and wild honey and wearing camel's hair. I, I have a hunch camel's hair is not real comfortable. I, I've never tried it. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine it being... I don't even like my own hair after a haircut. You just get itchy. I can't imagine a camel's hair. Yeah. And uh, camels don't smell good. I don't know if their hair hold, traps Maybe they wash odor. it before they make the garments out of it. I would hope so. With all that said... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so John went into the desert to rid his life of anything that got in the way between himself and God. It's the ultimate source of uh, inspiration when there is nothing else. Mm. You just have God. How would you like to spend time in the desert? You know, I, I've only been in a couple of deserts for short, short, short amounts of time. Like where? Uh, well, out in the, in the southwest, so in like Nevada, Utah area. Um, in fact, I remember um, one time we drove, Claire and I drove from... We were in Las Vegas, and we drove out to the west rim of the Grand Canyon. I'd been to the north rim and the south rim previously, but I had never been to the west rim. And the west rim is uh, managed by Native Americans. Right. Um, is that where the glass uh, walk is? Yes, there's the glass walk that and goes. And you walked out and looked straight down into the I the think deep, it cost extra money. So we It cost quite a bit. We didn't do it. We okay. figured it looked just as good from the free free angle as it did from the highly... Uh, profitable angle. <laughs> um, but it, I remember the drive through that drive thinking, wow, this is unlike any terrain I've ever kind of been this deep into. Cause once you leave, you, you are on the journey. There's no turning back. Right. So, um, and I was praying that my rental car would hold up nicely until we got to our destination, but um, really beautiful landscapes. Uh, I think barrenness is a great way to describe it. Um, you didn't know exactly what you were in for. It didn't have the comforts of driving along the highway knowing that a rest stop was, you know, going to be in the next 10 miles. Okay, stop right there. When we travel these days, we do that. We we assume there's something along the way. Yeah. There's going to be a rest stop. There's going to be a McDonald's. There's going to be someplace that offers mac and cheese or whatever. <laughs> there's, Praise God. There's something along the way. But what if we know there's not? We have to take things with us. Yeah. And so you, you 
sort out what do you have to have and what do you just want to have. Mm -hmm. And then you also, if you're traveling on foot, you leave behind all the extraneous items because suddenly even a few ounces here or there starts mm -hmm. weighing quite a bit. Sure. Now, if you apply this spiritually, you start letting go of all the extra stuff that we carry. And that could be, can you imagine how much energy people waste carrying grudges mm -hmm. or anger? You know, why would we carry a bunch of anger with me if, why would I carry a bunch of anger with me if it's just going to get heavier and heavier? That's how I felt today until I finally got the mac and cheese thing off my chest. And I'll tell you now, I feel light as a feather. Light as a feather. I, I Seriously, though, I, I totally uh, appreciate what you're saying about that because we, it, it will weigh on you eventually, right? It will, um, or even like after, after you lose a little bit of, I remember one time I had lost some weight and I had basically lost the equivalency of how much Audrey had weighed at the time. So it might have been let's say it was 20 pounds or something like that. But I can remember like carrying her around either on my back or in my arms thinking, wow, I used to carry this around on my body all the time and wasn't even aware of it. But 20 pounds is heavy when you're carrying it around. Yes. Yes. Um, especially when it's an ornery two year old. Do you remember there was one of those, uh, infomercials for, one of those fitness machines, this was back, you know, they still have those, but yeah. this was like 20, 20 years ago. And the guy would have this big glob. It was like twice the size of a basketball. Uh -huh. And it was just ugly as could be. And he said, this is whatever he said, 20 pounds of fat. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you feel good. I know. <laughs> and it, it was one of those to, meant to motivate you. Sure. Okay, so to be, how do we need to be motivated to enter the desert of Advent. You know, Advent is not a mini Lent where we, it's all about repentance and doing self-denial. Nonetheless, nonetheless, there are elements, if we're trying to prepare for the, the encounter with God, mm -hmm. with the coming of the Lord into our lives, we have to get rid of extra stuff. And so we have to enter desert. Uh, at the Bible study this morning, one of the women said that she has told her husband that Every night in the evening, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock is her prayer time during Advent. Nice. Obviously, she doesn't watch Wheel of Fortune. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the, the whole thing was between 7 and 8, she said, this is time that's sort of, we've got the dinner finished, we've had the dinner together, the dishes are done, and it's a good time if you want to go read the paper or read a book or something, but I'm going to make this my, my Advent time. That's nice. But I think we have to very consciously do it. And I, it's obviously it's going to be easier with somebody who either lives alone or the kids are grown. Sure. But with family people, you know, how do you do, how do you find the Advent time? How do you find your desert uh, where you can just let go of all distractions and just be alone between you and God. Also, but even with family, it's a great opportunity to start teaching your kids to set aside time as well. I remember uh, there were there were several weeks. It may have been Advent one year. I can't remember when we both girls were. We had both girls at the time, um, and we decided that we would just pray a rosary together as a family. 
you know, little kids may not might not necessarily be able to say every prayer perfectly, but they can definitely follow along on the rosary. Um, and even, even by the repetition of the prayer, they can start to learn the prayers that are beloved to our Catholic faith. Um, or even as you, you go through each of the mysteries, it's a good opportunity to talk about you know, the life of Jesus. Well, what is, what does it mean? To, what is the agony in the garden? What is, you know, whatever it may be. So agony in the garden is what you go through when you work at John the 23rd <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> this is purgatory, my friends. Um, but I think in a family setting, I think individual prayer time is essential, you know, but I also think as a family, it's important to pray together um, and maybe we, maybe that's part of what's happening even with the Advent wreath. We're basically trying to say, don't be afraid to find creative ways to bring faith into your family conversations. At dinner Sunday night, Audrey had a something she made in base camp last year that had each of the four uh, Advent Can- candles, candles on it. And um, she brought she still had it. She must have had it up in her room for the last year, and she brought it, and she was so proud to read about the first candle and show off what she had done a year ago uh, and just to incorporate that. And then as we lit the candle on our, our Advent wreath at home, um, but it, it's neat to see her starting to in, take... In case people don't know, Audrey is eight. She's she's eight going on 80. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she, but she was excited about that. That was something that she wanted to share. Uh, and I think that that's the beauty of the repetition of the liturgical cycle is that the kids, as they get older, are starting to understand why each year we celebrate these rituals and these times of the year. So to pull it all together, we're going from the desert, the barrenness, into the waters that cleanse us of sin, but also our symbol is a symbol of, uh, the waters are symbols of new life. All right, friends, bring the water to church. Well, leave it outside. If it's melted snow, we don't want it inside the building. (laughs) Hey, God bless you. We'll see you next week.